Welcome to the Journey to Epiphany podcast. I'm your host, Callie Swanland. Y'all are in for a treat. Today I'm talking with Wordsmith, a Baltimore-based songwriter and hip-hop artist. Wordsmith partners with the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra, strives to entertain and educate through a message of purpose, and recently started a nonprofit called Rise with a Purpose. Stay tuned at the end of this episode to hear one of Wordsmith's releases. Welcome, Wordsmith. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. I'm so glad you are here. You and I have a lot of overlap in what we're doing and uh, how we talk about purpose in the world. I wonder if you'd give a little intro to yourself. Sure. Well, again, my name is Wordsmith. I'm a songwriter. I'm a performer. I'm an entrepreneur and philanthropist at uh, Baltimore City. And as you just said, you know, purpose is a big driving factor in my life. Uh, I would say professionally, but more importantly, as a you know, personally, as a man, I use my message to try to convey a message, whether it's a message of my opinion, a message of being relatable to a lot of people's opinions, but uh, most of all, to share culture. Uh, I feel is the biggest reason why I do music. So you'll never hear me put out a song that doesn't have some type of message or some type of encouragement or some type of even political view that everyday people can attach themselves to and say, hey, you know, I believe in that. That is something that uh, I follow as well. So just music that's relatable to everyday people. I love that. And, um, having listened to a lot of your music, I, I definitely find myself sort of nodding and saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I love, uh, you talk a lot about, uh, calling and purpose and, um, and, and things that are everyday experiences, um, hope and loss and things that, um, they're not just superficial stuff. And I'm someone who, uh, you know, I'll dive right in with you. I don't want to talk about um, stuff that's not important. I want to talk about the the real authentic stuff in life. I love hearing that. That's a great tagline right there. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Hey, you got to yeah. weed through some of that, the surface level things to get to the deep conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. The work that I do, um, I'm trained in the work of Dr. Brene Brown, who uh, studies vulnerability and trust and empathy. And what she says is that um, you have to build trust with someone before you're vulnerable with them, where you you know want to share something with them. But at the same time, you you have to be a little bit vulnerable with someone in order to build that trust. And so it's sort of like a chicken or egg sort of thing. Like I have to share something a little bit personal with you and see how you respond to it to say, hey, is this someone I want to relate to? Is this someone I'm comfortable going deeper with? That's one of the biggest, to me, daily tasks and tests of life. You know, uh, being a musician you know, I have an opportunity to hire a lot of people and give a lot of people opportunities. And I've seen both sides of giving opportunities, people who excel and take the opportunity for what it is and run with it. And I've seen the side and this is actually I've seen more on this side, the people that get an opportunity and uh, I don't know, don't take it for what it is or are not humble about it or uh, take it for granted and don't realize what they had until it's gone, you know, which is cliche. And so 
<laughs> and so I've really seen both sides of this here. And, and I've questioned myself at times. I, I meet a lot of musicians who say, I love music and I want to I want to be a professional and this and that. A lot comes with that. A lot of sacrifice comes with that. A lot of hard work comes with that. A lot of dedication comes with that. And I've kind of seen when you take someone from a, a world where it's more of a hobby to, hey, this is a professional setting. These are the demands of this situation. It can be shocking to some people because I think some people look at music of all the, the glitz and the glamour they see on TV, and what you hear on the radio, and they forget this is a job as well. And there's a lot of work that goes on in the background, you know, to just even get to the level where you can put music out there for people to hear. So, Absolutely. And I would, I would think that, that putting music out into the world is a great act of vulnerability in and of itself because you're, you're sort of bearing your soul when you are sharing your music. If you're sharing um, the sort of music that you're talking about, that's not drivel, it's, it's real meaningful personal stuff. Yeah, definitely. It's a, you know, and it's a choice I had to make early in my career was, do I want to be like everybody else? Or do I want to be about, you know, again, having purpose and encouraging people and driving people to be their best, you know? And so many times I've said, man, you know, I probably could have been further along in my career if I had went that, the typical route, but less fulfillment is what I feel. I get to impact people so much more on the path that I'm on because I'm not just about myself. I'm not just about, oh, how can I put myself in the highest of places so people can worship me? It's literally, how can I take this person that is struggling or this person that just needs opportunity? How can I grab their hand and take them and raise them up and get them to a higher level and help them realize their potential? You know, And to me, that's a big part of my story is not just realizing my potential, but realizing the potential of others. And some of us just need guidance in life sometimes. You know, some of us have that internal motivation to get things done. But then there's others that you see they have talent and you see they're, they, uh, they have some motivation, but they need that person to kind of grab and say, hey, do X and X and X, and this will create you success. So that's a big part of my story as well of, of just helping guide people to be their best and be successful in life. Amen. I I agree with all of that. And I think that we get in the trap of thinking that we are all alone in this world and that we have to um that we have to prove ourselves above and against everyone else. And so we don't um we don't rely on others. We don't call on others for guidance. We we think that we have to be an island. And that's just not that's not how we were created. We were created as people within community. And, um, and so I wonder when you said that's a big part of your story, you do a lot of this, um, helping others see their potential. I wonder if there's someone who was that person for you. I wonder if there's someone who saw your potential. Definitely my brother and my parents. And I would start with my brother because, we were total opposites. My brother was really determined growing up, really about school, focused early on going to college. I knew I wanted to go to college, but I was the one hanging out, not coming back home. My mother was telling me to, you know, just being that kid that uh, didn't want to be about the rules all the time and passed in school, but did just enough, you know. And I, I give it to my brother because... I wouldn't say he was hard on me, but he set that example of 
he's excelling so fast and doing so much that what does that make me look like? You know, yeah. I mean, really, as as his brother and then on the side of that, what does that make me look like when I have this person who is a family member, a brother to me, he's excelling and I'm literally stagnant. And so it was when my brother got a, a track scholarship to James Madison where it really hit me. And I said, well, you know, what am I going to do now? You know, my brothers had this great accomplishment. I always looked up to him. This was something that we all knew was in the making. I knew I had the potential to to go to college, but I wasn't really given that effort. And it was when my brother got a scholarship that it really hit me that I got to I got to do better at life. I got to do better at figuring out what is going to be my passion and, you know, what do I want to be in this lifetime? And during that time, football was was my life more than music. And so two years of just, I would say, turning my life around in school, turning my life around as a person, I was able to earn a football scholarship to Morgan State uh, University and realize my potential. And I have to thank my brother for that, you know, of him just telling me all the time, you're better than this. You can do better than that. And it would be calm, but sting me, you know, you're better than that. That's all the effort you gave, just calm, stinging shots to me because I felt the disappointment, you know, and with my parents, my parents sacrificed for me. Uh, my dad was in the army 27 years. So at one point I was moving around a lot. It was hard to keep friends, lost a lot of friends. I was, I would say an angry and mad kid at times because I didn't understand why we had to move so much. and couldn't stay in one place. And I was in my sophomore year of high school and my dad had got stationed in New York where we had lived early in my childhood before a couple times. And uh, my dad and my mom made the decision to basically have my dad move to New York on his on his own. And my mother and myself stayed back. Uh, we were living in Virginia at that time. The magnitude of that sacrifice from my parents, these two people that love one another, always been around one another. They sacrificed for me, who honestly, during my sophomore year, I had I was failing two classes. I wasn't showing too much potential. And they rolled the dice on their son is the way I look at it. You know, so I had two pivotal moments, my brother going to college, my parents making this heavy sacrifice of being apart from two years so I could finish school in the same place for the first time in my life. So I better got a scholarship. I better excelled in school. I better had done better in my community. I better had become a better person uh, through these two, I would say, major things that happened within my immediate family. I'm so, so moved by that. You've got um, elements of... Uh, you're sort of inspired by your brother, but also got some tough love from him saying, you know, work to your potential. You can do this. Um, and also just, you use the word sacrifice. Someone who is showing great enough care for you that they're willing to um, make a change that deeply impacts them. That is the ultimate in support, right? That is... Um, that isn't just, hey, keep it up, buddy, and a slap on the back. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. You know, I, I think we have multiple, um, I use the word find your spark. You know, we've got multiple um, sparks, uh, paths, vocations in our life. Um, you went on this football scholarship, so that was obviously a spark for you. Um, what? Why music? What... Um, was there a shift from football to music? Were those equal sparks for you? How did you end up on that path? 
Uh, great question. I Growing up, I always loved music. I have a tape collection to this day. I just loved the culture, especially hip hop, really grabbed me. But I loved rock music. I loved classical music. I loved just the different genres of music. And I think a lot of that was just because of just moving around as a kid and being around so many different cultures and hearing so many different types of music when I was younger. And so I didn't think, hey, I want to be a professional musician. I just knew I liked music. And at times I would get, I think, melodies and tunes in my head, but didn't think much of them, you know, because again, my focus was I want to play football. That's what I was good at. That's what I loved playing. I loved to hit people. It was, that was my sanctuary, you know, to be honest. So uh, when I was playing college football, one, my junior year, I tore my meniscus and I played on it for the whole season. Um, and it was pretty tough. And so when I was done with the season, normally you tear a meniscus, they gave you about a three to four month recovery. But mm. because I had played on it all year, I was looking at a year recovery. So I looked at the math and I said, whoa, OK, that's my whole senior year. So uh, what led me next was basically when I was younger, I had did this play that my mother had saw. Again, I didn't think much of it. I think I was around eight years old. And my mother saw me do this play. And I remember after the play, she grabbed me and said, oh, my gosh, I didn't I did not know that you had any personality like that. This is my mother. said to me, <laughs> I did not know that you could do that. I mean, you're quiet all the time. I just that's the most I've heard you talk is what my mother said to me. And it just blew her mind when I did this play. And so through the years, she would always bring this little play up and say, I, I think you should do something with entertainment. I think you should do something with theater or music. And I would say, all right, mom, you know, I love music. You know, I even like acting, but I said, you know, football is my thing. And when I was in that situation where I tore my meniscus and I was looking at the math, I remember I told my mother, I said, you know, I'm thinking about not playing football anymore and possibly trying acting. And of course she was like, yeah. But she said, I don't know what your pops is going to you know, feel about that because my dad, he would love coming to the college games. You know, that was his thing coming to see me you know, play college football. And uh, I just said, well, one, I don't see the impact I can make as a football player. Yes, you can when you're a big star football player you're in the NFL, even some college players. But I said, most people don't make a huge impact unless they're well known. I said, I can make much bigger impact as a musician or even an actor. So I remember going in my senior year, there was an audition for this improv play at the school. And I just said, you know what, bump it. I'm gonna go in there, I'm gonna give it a try. And I got a role in this improv play. And that kind of certified, I guess, my feeling in my gut that I need to push football to the side and let it go. Going into that summer, my junior year, going to my senior year, I had to tell my coach, I said, I'm not going to play football anymore. I'm going to shift my, uh, you know, I'm shift my focus to theater. And he was sad to see me go, but he understood the decision as well. My dad, not so much. It wasn't anger. It was, I don't really understand this decision. You know, you want, you want to do something with theater. You know, he looked at it as, is that something that you can build a living off of? Or even if you did music, is that something you can build a living off of? And he didn't see the answers to that, you know, early on. Well, my mother was like, go for it, go for it. So I did acting, did very well my senior year, so much so that I had got a post scholarship 
uh, for acting. And I even got invited to Penn State University to their graduate acting program. They invite about 500, I would say, students from around the nation every year to this program. And I got down to the top five and I didn't get in. And I remember my brother drove me up there and I told him, I said, I don't get into this school. I'm putting everything I got into music. I said, I feel like I got something. But I so I said, this will be the deciding factor. And as we know, I didn't get in. <laughs> so my brother, when we were driving home, I told him, I said, I don't have any production, anything. And my brother learned how to make production on Fruity Loops. And he was my first producer because he believed in me so much. And that kind of started my music career. And that was back in 2009. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. What? What a cast of characters you have <laughs> in your life yeah. that just I, I I think sometimes sometimes our path to calling is being able to weed out the other voices and say, no, I gotta, you know, I gotta follow my true center here. Um, but it's also informed by those others too. So you had a couple of people, you're like, ah, oh, this is really gonna disappoint them. And if you had just um focused on on them and what they wanted, um, you might not have gone down that path, you, but you you felt yourself sort of um, drawn toward this thing. And you said, I, I can't, I can't ignore it. Right. Yeah. It's, it was implanted when I was younger. You know, my mother saw it, you know, and I credit her now. I said, you saw this in me so early and I didn't see it within myself. And it's cool when you can get that perspective because people, I do it now when I see someone, they could be like, oh, it's okay. You know, I even do it, you know, with Corey, you know, he'll send me something sometimes and be like, oh, you know, I'm, I was just messing around or I don't know what you're going to think of. And I'll be like, man, this is amazing. What are you talking about? You know what I mean? Or some people are modest about their potential and their talent. You know what I'm saying? And so you have to be that one and just be like, this is good. You know, you have to be told sometimes. And my mother was trying to tell me for years, this is your calling. Whether you do theater, whether you do music, your calling is entertaining people and impacting people. So I just had to follow that. That That's incredible. Well, and you and I got connected through Corey, who you just mentioned, Corey Cottle, who I know as, as a friend and a, an amazing musician. But how did you and Corey... Uh, meet and can you say a little bit about the projects that you've been working on with Corey? Sure. Corey and I should have never met. And again, this is the beauty of life. I think this is God, you know, this is destiny, a lot of different things. We, uh, I actually got booked to open up for Justin Moore, uh, who, you know, Corey plays keys for. And Justin and I have nothing in common musically. You know, <laughs> Justin's a, a great musician and but we have nothing in common. And the reason I ended up there was uh, we was actually on, a, on an army base out there for July 4th. I think it was two years ago in Georgia. I ended up there because the year prior, there was another act booked there for a smaller show and they canceled for some reason. And one of my booking agents reached out to me and said, hey, I don't know if you'll go for this or want to do this. It's last minute. But there's a show in Georgia on a base. I know you have love for military. Would you want to do it? It's really small. And I just decided to take it on a whim more because it was military members and my pops, you know, in his background. I said, sure. And I had done armed forces tours prior to that. So I was down. And like anything in life, I gave it a thousand percent, not a hundred, a thousand percent, you know, and not knowing that that planted a seed. And so when I left, 
Uh, I remember they contacted my booking agent and said that was one of the best shows we had seen from any artist we brought through here in a while. And so this show came up the next year on July 4th. And again, he said, I don't know what you think of this. It's a country artist named Justin Moore, who I knew he was. And he was like, would you be interested in opening up for him? Because, you know, we got kids on base that love hip hop. We never book hip hop artists too much. Would you be interested? I said, sure. Came down, uh, did the show, opened up. And after Corey performed with Justin Moore, I was just kind of hanging out the side of the stage. And I remember Corey came off with a couple of the other guys and he just came up to me and he just said, brother, that was such, you know, an awesome show that you did. I love the music. I love what you're about and uh, what you were talking about. And he said, you know, are you free? Can you come hang out on the tour bus? And I hung out on the tour bus. We got to talk. We got to see we had common things um, in our nature. And we exchanged numbers and we both just was like, hey, you know, let's hopefully we can do some music together in the future. And we left it at that. And we didn't really talk for months after that. And Corey reached out to me when he started working on this project uh, with Jeremy and the Episcopal Church. And he already had done a little bit of recording. And he said, hey, you know, can I send you two productions to listen to? And would you be interested in writing on this project? And I said, yeah, you know, send me send me your production. Let me listen to it. And he sent me the rec this record and ended up turning into Believe. This actually be on one of my albums. And I remember I heard it for the first time and I loved it so much because it was pure music. And being a songwriter, you you search for pure music and, and inspiration. And the way Corey plays keys and the way the production was just laid out and put together, I felt the emotion of the record. And I, I instantly knew this record is about believing in yourself and people who have stopped believing in you. And I tell Corey all the time, his music, when he sends it to me, his particular production just drives this inner uh, motion out of me to where literally he can send it. I can just sit down and the song's done in a couple hours. And it's just, to me, it's because we, we just have this connection. that's God sent, you know, in a lot of ways. Oh yeah. I, that, I mean, I call those soul connections. Like when you're yeah. sitting across from someone and your, your heart starts beating, their heart starts beating, you're, you're like, just um, the ideas are flowing back and forth. You're like, oh, there's something bigger here. There is something that is not of us. And I, I definitely draw on my own um, faith when I say that. You know, I say that's Holy Spirit stuff. Um, I wonder. You said that's that's God sent. What um, can you tell me more about your faith and how that plays into your music and your sense of purpose? Yeah, sure. I, everything in my life, I know God has a hand in it. You know, I, I pray every day. I'm conscious of God. I'm conscious of when I have my successes and my failures that, you know, he's there. You know, he's in the middle. He's that balance. So I, I try to never get too high, never get too low. And to me, that's a part of having faith. I've taken risk in life, which is a part of having faith. <laughs> I remember when I left my government job that I worked at for 13 years and just became a full-time musician and said, Hey, I'm taking care of my family strictly off my passion in life. That was faith. I had to, had to believe in myself and I had to believe that God was going to help me bridge, you know, that gap right there. And he's done it now for over five years, you know? So, you know, I will say, and we spoke about this a little bit off areas. I'm not a person where you will see me going into a church. And it has nothing to do with my lack of loving God or or me saying, hey, you know, going to a church is not the right thing to do. What I encourage you is do what's best for you with your relationship with God. My relationship with God is so strong. 
without me going into a church, without me being in the atmosphere of having to worship around others. And let me put this out here. I grew up in church. My parents had me in church growing up. So I've been a part of that atmosphere. I've been a part of being around that community. I know the love that can come out of it. I think with me, and this is a true story where I soured on church was through my music, honestly. I have an opportunity to hire a lot of musicians and a lot of musicians I hire for my live band when I do my live shows are from the church. And you probably have heard this from a lot of musicians. I soured on church because when I would hire these musicians from the church, I had an expectation of them that one, you're worshiping the highest at all times. Your, your, your base when I met you and your base of what I've seen from you is centered around church, which is great. Yeah. To see someone who is a, such a big supporter of church, of God and preaching a message come into your situation and you take this person on tour and the first thing they want to do is cheat on their wife. The first thing they want to go do is steal something, cheat, lie. All of this was shocking to me. Again, when you have this expectation of, man, you know, I'm not in church every Sunday. You are. I don't know if that makes you better, me less. I don't know. But I just know when you give yourself to a certain degree to God that you're held to a certain standard. That's how I feel. And so to see so many musicians have the same traits over and over and over and over again, I did not get it. I said, how can you worship so much, but you're going against the word so much, Hmm. you know, and to sit down with some of these guys and be like, listen, you have a wife, man. And I know how you two worship God. How can you sleep at night knowing you out here running the streets, you out here doing all this stuff out here that doesn't align with who you portray yourself to be? And it just started souring me because I probably hired 10 plus musicians that all had this same trait. And I just could not figure it out. I said, I don't know if this is a situation where people feel so confined by the church that when they go out and you know, see the world from a music perspective. And they go, oh, I have this at access. I have this at access. Oh, I can get this easily that mm-hmm. the devil kind of creeps in and says, hey, you can have all these things here, but you'll always be forgiven. And I was told that from musicians of the church that, hey, we're all forgiven anyway. That doesn't ride with me. <laughs> right. that, I can't live with that. Are you what? Right. Again, I don't go to church every Sunday. and I don't believe in that. That's that's not the way you live, you know. So I I've, I've been warned with this, you know, how can I go into a church when I look around and I see so many people that I know are doing things that don't align with their so-called purpose. Yeah, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that story. I um I think that many people listening will deeply resonate because I hear that over and over again. I've heard the quote um I like Jesus just fine. It's his followers that I have a problem with. Um, there's, <laughs> there's, wow. you know, I think there are a lot of people who um, do things in the name of religion, in the name particularly of Christianity, that um, alienate others, that um, jeopardize the lives of others, that endanger others, um, you know, the things that have been done in the name of religion, um, uh, acts of uh, violence and racism and um, all sorts of oppression that people justify with their faith. 
um, has made a lot of people say, I'm, I'm not so sure about this church thing. I don't think that that doesn't resonate with my understanding of a loving God. Yes. <laughs> so well said. Yeah. God's a loving God and yes, he forgives us, but to me, you shouldn't openly in your mind say, I know I'm going to do this wrong because I already know I'm going to be forgiven. That's to me, not how he wants you to think. We all have accidents. We all do things that we wish at the end, it could have been better judgment, but then we have things where we go, I know this is wrong and I'm going to do it anyway. That's to me, the stuff that, you know, come on, there's no, there's nothing that you can say to me that's going to convince me that that's okay. Right, right. There's um, there's a quote, I think it's writer Anne Lamott. She says, God loves you just the way you are, but God loves you too much to let you stay that way. <laughs> um, both of those that. things. Yeah, both those things can be true that, yeah, we are shown grace, but we are continually beckoned toward being our best self. And that's what I think um, that's what I think purpose is about, is about fulfilling um, your God-given gifts and passions and um, being your very best self in the world. And um, you mentioned the word impact. I think that that's a part of purpose too, is um, not just what do I enjoy most, but um, how can I use my gifts for the greater good? as well. I spent a lot of my time uh, pre, you know, COVID traveling the world, getting that message out. But my biggest struggle has been right here in my own city of Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, I'm able to go to Africa. I've been there three times. I'm able to go to Israel and Haiti and these other countries and do these workshops and these, these concerts, but can't do the same in my own city. Can't get funding in my own city and a city out here where we have no music program. And, you know, out here in Baltimore City, it's a very tough city. I've been out here since 19 years old and I'm 40 now. This is home for me. And I see crime every day. I see drugs every day. I see the young kids every day out on the streets doing absolutely nothing when they should be in school. And I just think about how much, especially to the black community, music means. Because uh, music in the black community and all cultures, to be honest, music tells you a lot about that culture. And I think about so many of these kids just being rescued if they had a music program to go to, even if it was two weeks, I mean, two days a week, it would give them something else to look forward to. And I think about so much untapped gifts in low income areas that never come to fruition because they don't have the resources to come to fruition. You could have your next great singer, next great rapper, drummer, guitarist that's living in an underprivileged neighborhood that will never pick up a guitar and never find out he has a gift to play that guitar because the resources aren't there. So these are things that go through my mind every day. And with my two sons, I see both sides. My youngest son, who's nine, he goes to a city school where there's no music program. So his drum kit is literally set up in our house. And my, and my live drummer that, uh, that I work with comes over to my place to teach him drums with mask on just so he can still get some drum practice and to learn drums. There's no other resource. Then on the flip side, my oldest son, who's 17, he goes to school in the county. They have one of the best music programs in the nation. My son plays saxophone, piano, acoustic guitar, and he produces. 
So you can see the difference. My son is still learning how to play drums where my oldest knows how to play four instruments. And it's, I have the example right in my own household. So it just shows you that how much music can steer a child. We know it does a lot for the mind as far as intelligence as well. It's a proven fact, but I tell my kids and I tell other kids, when you have a focus, it can be a singular focus or you can have multi, it can be a multitask focus situation. You are less likely to get in trouble because you have things that you want to accomplish. You have a purpose and you have a focus. So I'm always trying to push that out there. I love that. And, and, um, so you've, you've started this new nonprofit rise with a purpose. Is that, um, is that about some of the things you talked about with Baltimore? Yeah, that was birthed straight out of the issues I see out here in Baltimore City. When I, I spent six months in City Hall out here at one point, uh, pretty much giving them proposals or programs that I knew would work because I already had the blueprint. I had been doing it for four years around the world. And imagine sitting down with politicians and saying, hey, if I can go to this village called Ganyawa in Africa that has a population of 3,000 people and perform in front of all 3,000 people, but also provide them with educational workshops where they can start becoming musicians on their own. Why is it I can't go into a Baltimore City public school and do the same? I said, you know what? I just got to, again, take things into my own hands. And that's what birthed my nonprofit, Rise With A Purpose. The title is how I live my life every day. I get up every day with purpose, Mm. every day. So- that was an easy title for me to decide, but I said, okay, I know the issues in my city. Number one, we need a music program. So currently right now, one of my first fundraising efforts is I partner up with doTERRA Wellness and we're raising uh, $15,000 initially to uh, make a consistent music academy out here in Baltimore City and then doTERRA will match another 15000 for hopefully a total of 30000 uh, by June. So... That's where we're we're at right now. And the goal is to get this school in place so we have an outlet for kids, aspiring musicians, but also kids that just are like, where can I go to do some music? Please, somebody give me anything, somewhere to come do music. It will be that resource for them. Also, we're working on programs uh, also with police reform, uh, just because I've dealt with being racially profiled in my city out here. I've done with police brutality out here. I was a heavy person out here during the protests and helping putting assemblies together as well out in my city. So I want to remain a voice. I want to remain a positive voice in my city. So we're going to continue to work on reform out here. So I'm working on projects with that. We're working on uh, projects for COVID safety for youth sports, uh, sponsoring youth programs, but not the typical sponsoring of just uniforms, but making sure they have sanitizer, making sure they have um, gloves, making sure they, um, you know, have masks when they're not on the field. You know, the stuff that you see an NFL player would naturally have because they have millions. These are the things that youth sports need as well. So I've been already doing a lot of philanthropy work. It was just time, you know, for me to have my own organization and focus on issues that I care about and I'm passionate about and grabbing people that I know will be just as passionate as I am about these issues and pushing them forward. Well, you know, you may not be going to church, but you are bringing me to church. This is <laughs> um, this is gospel stuff. This is um, this is you know, clothing the naked and feeding the hungry and um, caring for the poor. I mean, this is the good news, which is the 
literal translation of gospel is the good news. This is the good news embodied, and you're bringing me good news today. So I'm I'm so grateful for your witness. And I wonder if there are ways if uh, for folks who are listening to support you. How can we be offering some tangible support? Sure. You can you can visit the website. It's risewithapurpose.com. And when you get to the front of the site, you'll actually see a summary of the music program that we're looking to put together. And there's a donate button right there. We're, we're a little bit over $3,200 right now. So we're we're looking good. Uh, we still have six months to go, but the goal is we want to try to get the $5,000 by the end of January so we can make another push for $2,500 for February. So if you read this program and you say, hey, this is something that can benefit my child as well, because the thing about this program is we will be broadcasting this globally mm. to across the globe. We will be having teachers from different countries. We have a, uh, I have a good friend of mine from Ghana who's going to be showing kids how to make drums from scratch, African drums from, from scratch. I have friends that are going to be in Panama doing dance classes, uh, teaching Panamanian traditional dances. So it's not just going to be Americans uh, being broadcast from this school. It's going to be really global and me using my contacts for that. So if you go to this site and you see that, hey, this is something that could benefit my child, I just encourage you to hit the donate button and give as much as you can because this program will be coming to fruition. And, you know, like any other effort you're passionate about, you need as much support as possible. Well, I love, um, like I said, I love all your music and um, I I love this piece, Fill the Space. You talk a lot about um, calling and purpose in it. And there's a line that really stood out to me. It's when you say, open up, let me fill the space that you got when you lost hope. And, um, you know, this year has been a year of lost hopes for people. There has been so much struggle. There has been so much racial inequity and police brutality and um, just the pandemic uh, wreaking havoc in people's lives. And... um, I just wonder how do you how do you hold on to hope in the midst of all of that? Do you have a word of hope for us? Probably the title of the song you just said. You know, we we all have these moments where we do need someone to fill that space for us, that void. And you know, just like you said with COVID, so many families have lost loved ones. You know that going into the beginning of 2020, you know, it was another year. And to think that a dad, a mother, a brother, a sister, you know, a cousin, an uncle, an aunt, by the end of this year had lost a life. There's a void there and you have to find some way. How can I fill that void of my dad that passed or my mother that passed? And that's the beauty with music and, and being a musician is you literally can be that light for so many people, for a stranger you don't even know that could stumble upon your music or always loved you as an artist and go to that song, that trusty song that they used to listen to, um, or hear a new song that you put out that goes, man, this this really tugs at what I'm going through right now. And that was my hope with Fill the Space was, it would just be a song that to let you know that, hey, you may not know me, but I got you, I'm thinking about you because even though I don't know you, I know someone that suffered from you know, COVID or has lost someone from COVID, or I know someone who has suffered from an injustice, you know, or I know someone who is suffering from losing a job and saying, how am I going to pay rent? All these things are everyday things that happen that we're, we're searching. Okay. This bad thing happened to me. What do I do now? You know? So 
it's just encouraging people that, hey, we're all going to go through things. One day you might be that light to fill my void, where the next day I might be the light to fill your particular void. That is a good word to end on, a word of hope. Uh, Let us be the light to fill one another's voids and let us each know that we are not alone on this journey. Wordsmith, it has been a great honor to talk with you today. Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you for letting me be transparent and open. I think it's just always beautiful, uh, you know, when you can allow people to, to speak with their true nature and not have to hold back. So thank you so much. I'll dream of the great nights. I'll live for the ones I've lost. Slide us up, we're gonna meet an app. The life is all sacrifice. I got the appetite to be a better man. Let's unite. My story like a motion picture. Bittersweet like shots of liquor. Let me take the pain. My skin is thicker. We one blood. I'm not pulling triggers. It's all love and your here's the kicker. We working hard. We never go diggers. Anybody with a poster. You wanna protest? Please no posers. You better man up. Never roll over. You gotta help. We don't do freeloaders. Listen. Everybody has a moment in time when they dig deep and sacrifice. Everybody has a moment in time where they really could use good advice. Everybody has a moment in time where things change in overnight. Open up and let me in. Open up and let's begin. Let's go. Open up, let me feel the space that you got. I wanna feel the space that you got. I wanna feel the space that you got. You should know that I won't ever fail. Open up, let me feel the space that you got. I wanna feel the space that you got. I wanna feel the space that you got. You should know that I won't ever fail. Thank you, Wordsmith, for bringing a good word today. Find out what Wordsmith is up to at wordsmithmusic.com. Learn more about his nonprofit, Rise with a Purpose, at risewithapurpose.com. Information about the Concert for the Human Family, a collaboration with Corey Cottle and the Episcopal Church, is available at concertforthehumanfamily.org. You can find all these links in the show notes for today's episode. A special thanks to Episcopal Church Foundation's Fellowship Partners Program, my favorite podcast engineer, Jeremy Tackett, and everyone out there seeking their spark. Follow me on social media at Callie Swanland or reach out through CallieSwanland.com to learn more about finding your spark. Space that you got when you lost hope.